Oh, what? Did I interrupt your breakfast? I got a little banana. No big deal. Oh, post-workout um, potassium? No workout just yet, Seabros. How are you doing, man? It's good to see you. Let me get this camera situated. I know. You look a little dark today. Let's turn on a light. I only do natural lighting out here, and it's a little gloomy in L.A. Yes. Yes, it is. Beautiful. Light, light rain. Anyway, let's start this off. I want to welcome everybody to the Monday playoff edition of Baseball Today, presented by our good friends over at Dugout Mugs. Shortly, we're going to tell you how you can get yourself a free knob shot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before, um, before we start with the games... Did you see Bryce Harper celebrating his 29th birthday with his lovely bride? I did not. Tell me about he shaved it. Shaved his head, dude. Cut it. It's not like fully bald, but I mean, he got rid of all the locks and everything. Off-season cut, man. I like it. Where, where, where were they celebrating? Well, tell me about it. I think they were in Vegas. I think he, they live in Vegas in the yeah. off-season, so they were probably just went out to a nice dinner. You know, they got kids and you know, parental duties, so you know. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so here we go. Uh, let's focus on uh, – it's travel day for the Braves and Dodgers. So move out to L.A. Second straight walk-off win for the Atlanta Braves. It's your old teammate, Reddy, Eddie Rosario, who does the magic. Corey Seager tried to backhand the ball. That didn't work. Atlanta wins the game. They are up 2 nothing for the second straight year in the NLCS over the Los Angeles Dodgers. So what makes you confident this time – it's going to work out for the ATL. You said the word, Chris. I think it's just a little bit of that magic. It kind of seems like everything they do is working out for them, whether it's Eddie Rosario tagging up on a fly ball to left field, just sneaking in, Ron Washington sending guys, and they're just barely getting through. I think there's a little bit of magic in Atlanta. And then if you want to go tangible stuff, I mean, look at Young Thick. Austin Riley is, is a guy. He's becoming a guy guy right in front of our eyes. I know he's been doing it all season, but uh, doing it in the playoffs as well. I think the whole lineup, you know, after the game, he was talking about that. He goes, I don't feel any pressure on me to do anything because if I don't do something, the next guy will. When you have when you have guys performing like that and talking like that, that's a really good thing for your team. That means everyone's kind of clicking at the same time. The bullpen's kind of held up. Uh, even when, you know, Ion Anderson last, uh, yesterday had a really short start, they got, uh -huh. got stepped up. So everything's just kind of working for them, and, and sometimes you just call it magic. Yeah, so the reason I think it might be different this time around, number one, Charlie Morton has yet to throw a pitch. He will do so in game three against Walker Bueller, and we know all about his playoff pedigree, how well he has played. And Freddie Freeman has put exactly one ball in play. Eight at-bats. Seven strikeouts. If you had told me that that's the way his line would look through two games and the Braves would have won both of them, I would have said you're insane. That's magic right there, Chris. <laughs> that is magic. Something, something's going on. Freddie needs to take a step back and just relax a little bit. I don't know, like, what he did last night, day off, whatever. He needs to chill out a little bit. He'll find his stroke, though. Yeah, on top of everything else, for the most part, their pen has been sensational. Matzik has pitched in every game in the playoffs so far. I know he got charged with a couple of runs. He didn't give up the uh, the ball that Chris Taylor hit. Luke Jackson came in and gave that up. But really, that, that bullpen has been nails. Yeah. Uh, when we thought that the Dodgers had a monumental edge. With all that being said, we've seen this party play out before. I get it that 
it, you know, they didn't have to travel last year. It was all in one building. They played seven straight days. Don't know how that affected the series. But uh, the Dodgers got to be looking at themselves and saying, we missed opportunities. Two games that we felt like we should have won, and we didn't. Yeah, you know, we always love kind of how teams mix and match their bullpens and their starters and everything during the postseason. It's fun. That's part of the part of, you know, how managers earn their keep. And I think what uh, Snickers done with the Braves, he's kept it a little bit more traditional in their roles, kind of like when they're going yeah. to the game. So guys are feeling comfortable and they're getting the job done. Whereas we see with the Dodgers, he's moved guys everywhere. You know, they have bolt guys, they have openers. You know, Urias uh-huh. has kind of been their guy they're leaning on him leaning on you know they bring Scherzer in for some relief he says he has dead arm you know during his start so this all these things are starting to add up for the Dodgers as well and like I said we usually love these types of moves but you know it'll tax you a little bit if you're going on short rest all the time like you're going to have quote-unquote dead arm and yeah you know the Braves are sticking with a more traditional route these guys are more just kind of ready well there's physical there's there's no question. There's physical repercussions to the decisions that the Dodgers make. And I see a lot of talk in the chat, and I see a lot of talk on social media that Dave Roberts is a shit manager and he doesn't know what he's doing. If you think this is strictly a Dave Roberts decision, you do not pay attention to what the Dodgers are and what their DNA is all about. Andrew Friedman might have the largest payroll in all of baseball. He still thinks like he's in Tampa a lot of times. And so the way they manipulate particularly their pitching – they go through game plans and what-if scenarios. What if we have a two-run lead in the eighth inning and they've got back-to-back lefties going up and we still have Kenley and Gratterall in the bullpen? But do we use Urias? Do you think that Dave Roberts was like, huh, I wonder if we should use Julio? That was a pre-planned decision. That was a what-if scenario, and he carried it out. And right now he's the hatchet man. He understands that because nobody goes and runs to Andrew Friedman after the game and says, well, why did you guys make that decision before the game? And you know what? If you're telling me you got Urias in a, in a high leverage spot, you're stoked if you're done. Right. And like, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And if it did work out, everyone would be praising his managerial decision. So I, I don't like the back and forth with that. Like, look, you understand he's going with an unconventional way uh, during the postseason. He did it last year, too. Okay, and it worked out, so everyone was praising him. Sometimes you're going to get hit around. Sometimes you're going to give up runs, and I, I think the questioning thing needs to stop. Yeah. All right, uh, biggest reason why, in your opinion, Atlanta leads this best-of-seven series 2 nothing. This one's kind of easy. And you have to give credit to Atlanta because, you know, they are getting the job done, but the Dodgers just aren't hitting with runners in scoring position. Simple. I think they're one for 18, Chris, in this. It, one for two. Eight, two games. Two. Oh, two. They're, two? Mm-hmm. either way it's not good dude and that's that's the difference you know over a 162 a team like the dodgers like they're going to get theirs like their wins are going to be there because they have an incredible roster but in a seven game series you know there are times where your offense goes cold you don't hit with runners in scoring position that's the beauty of the playoffs like the braves probably aren't a better team than the dodgers like over 162, we just saw it. But they're getting the job done when it matters. And that's, that's like I said, that's the playoffs. Like the Dodgers' bats are going cold, and the Braves are kind of how – many, how many runners do they even have in scoring position? Very few. Right. But they're getting them in. Like they're getting the timely hits, man. And that's – sometimes that's all it takes. So Dodgers have to completely figure that out. You know, and people will say they need to relax. They, need to, they just need to just 
continue to go, like they'll start to hit with runners in scoring position. It just hasn't happened the first two games. And most importantly, they're two for 18 with nine strikeouts. Yeah. When you're not putting the ball in play half the time, you got a runner in scoring position, you're really costing yourself an opportunity. Eddie Rosario hit a rocket shot. Corey Seager, some people say he should have gotten in front of it, could have made a play. The point is, is that he put the ball in play. When you put the ball in play, something good can happen. You know, I mean, Darno off of uh, Gratterall had his bat shattered, but because he made contact, something good happened. Sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, you know, I reference Miguel Cabrera a lot when I'm talking baseball because I got to see him a lot. He would do whatever it takes to get the runner. He did not care about hitting, you know, a ball 120 miles an hour into the gap. Like if he, if he could, you know, keep his hands back and inside and just kind of like shoot one to right, he would do it. Uh, you don't always need to crush the ball with runners in scoring position. I think they're expanding the zone a little bit too much, trying to do too much. Um, but look, this team with runners in scoring position this year during the regular season had an over an 800 OPS. They're like, they're wow. going to hit with runners in scoring position. It just hasn't happened the first two games. Yeah. All right, a few other things before we move on from this series and on to the next one. Uh, Jason Stark, the Hall of Fame writer for The Athletic, he was there in Atlanta, wrote an amazing column, just some little nuggets I want to pull out. Teams that walked nine-plus batters in a nine-inning game like the Braves did last night in a playoff contest, 10-32 and 32 all-time. 10-32, and 32, less than a, a 30% chance of winning. Somehow they pulled it off. Uh, they are the second team, the Dodgers, meaning – uh, in playoff history, to go down 0-2 against the same team in a best-of-seven series. The only other time it's happened, Detroit happened against Chicago, 07 and 08. That's 1907 and 1908, oh. and they only won one World Series game between those two times. And also the 1958 Yankees are the only team to win a best-of-seven series after being walked off in game one like the Dodgers were. So put that in your back pocket as we move along in this series. And one other cool thing. I love watching Ozzy Albies run the bases. Yeah. He is the National League version of Jose Ramirez. When he starts sprinting, he pops his helmet off. It's like old Gary Matthews. Old Sarge used to do that. He used to flip his helmet off and go do his thing around the bases. When he was between second and third yesterday, I think, and he knew he had a chance to score, he tapped the helmet just a little bit, let the, let the uh, lettuce eat, and just let it run. I loved it. Dude, I don't like when I'm watching some of these guys run the bases. I never had that experience when I'm when I was running the bases. My head was down, and I was trying to go as fast as I could. Like I, I had one a one track mind. Ozzy's flipping the helmet off. He's looking where the throw is. He's like oh, right. over there, waving in the stands. I don't understand how these guys do it. He he's unbelievable. You're right. Watching him run the bases is so much fun. And another wow. thing with the Braves. Before we move on, think about playoff baseball and how weird it is. Eddie Rosario is hitting freaking lead-up for this team. I know. He's notoriously a bad OBP guy. It doesn't matter. When you're hot, you're hot, and things change, bro. Seven-game series, completely different than anything in the regular season. Dude, Jock was the longest-tenured Braves outfielder yesterday <laughs> yeah. that started. You're right. And he, came, he came in mid-July. We about Jock Peterson yet. He's a bad bitch. He's got the pearls. I know. Dude, and he is talking himself. We should have a shit-talking off between he and Aaron Rodgers after what happened yesterday. Those Dude, two guys were just blowing it up. That's a great point. If you're ever feeling down about yourself, go watch Jock Peterson and how much he's pumping himself up. I try to do that same thing, too. Sometimes you don't believe it. You just got to talk the talk, and then maybe you'll walk the walk. Okay, cool. 
Hey, uh, so today, once again, Baseball Today, the playoff edition, presented to you by our friends over at Dugout Mugs. They're giving away free products all October long, and that's right. Here, here's what I want you to do. You grab one of your Dugout Mugs. I love this one. The Chris Rose, the engraved one, the Rose Rotation. Once again, these are made out of real baseball bats. Take a swig. Take a picture. Take a video. Post it on social media. Tag Dugout Mugs. You'll be entered for a chance to win something free. Now, you might be saying, Chris, Trev, I don't have any Dugout Mugs stuff. How do I get my hands on it? Aha! Go to DugoutMugs.com. Use the keyword today, and you can get yourself a free old knob shot right here. A knob shot. All you have to pay is the $8.95 shipping and handling. They'll take care of the rest. Then you get this bad boy. Then you take a shot. You film yourself. You picture yourself. Put it on social media. Tag Dugout Mugs. And then you can win free, more free stuff. It's simple. They got the classics. They got the wine. They got the bottle opener, which is somewhere around here. And they got the knob shot, too. Can Baseball. you make out with these? Huh? Can you make out with these? I think hey, you listen, I'm not, I don't judge people. So you do whatever you want on your own time. You can, good with it. You can also buy a knob shot and make out with it. I don't think that that's the main thing they're selling, but it could be. Okay. It could be, you know. Try it. possible. You threw me for a loop on that one. <laughs> Dugoutbugs.com slash today is the keyword. You'll get yourself a free knob shot. Just pay for the eight ninety five shipping and handling. All right. NLCS takes a travel day to Los Angeles. ALCS is back in action, tied at one apiece. Best of seven series now moves to Fenway. So are you a uh, more interesting storyline to see which starter can give their team a little bit more of a lift and take the burden off their respective bullpens, or to see if Kike can continue his scorching pace? I love Kike, but I honestly think they're going to start really pitching around the guys. So I'm going to go with the pitching here. Uh, it is interesting because – Games four, games five, game six, they're all up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen as regards to the pitching because both these teams are going to have to dip into the bullpens, possibly their game four starters to get through these games if Urquidy and uh, Erod don't go deep in the game. So I'm really curious to see just how the pitching is used. Are the Red Sox going to have to bring in Pavetta today? Or are they going to keep him for game four? You know, we know the Astros are thin on starters, so we can't tax their bullpen. Urquidy hasn't even pitched since the last day of the season, last day of the regular season. He didn't pitch at right. all the DS. So he's, you know, obviously well-rested, maybe a little bit too rested. I think whoever – I mean, the bats are going to be alive in this series. We know that. But um, whoever can limit the amount of bullpen usage in this game, game three, is going to be a lot better off going forward in the series. So I'm very curious to see how it's all going to shake out. Because neither team has a 2-0 has a lead – and game three, it's it's not desperation time. I, I know it's still it's a short series, but it's not desperation time. Do you think that Dusty Baker and Alex Cora are going to hang with their starters a little bit longer and say, hey, even if it might cost us a shot to win a playoff game, we have to do this, particularly Dusty, because he doesn't have Lance McCullers and he doesn't know about the health of Garcia. I mean, they are all rested today with the travel day, so I think he's he has everyone at his disposal. I think, yeah, Dusty probably is a little bit more apt to go and try to win this game. I, I mean, both are going to try to win the game, obviously, but I think Dusty's going to be a, a little bit more um, steadfast with going to his guys, whereas Cora might leave Erod in a little bit longer. And, and he did 
he said when we thought Ebro was just going to be an opener, go like two or three innings uh, before his last start, I think against the Rays, uh-huh. Cora came out before the game and was like, no, this is our starter. Like, he's going to go as long as, like, we can get him to go. So I think Cora can rely on that more than uh, Dusty can. So, yeah, I think Dusty's uh, got a little bit more pressure with the pitching for sure. And let's remember, you've got three straight games, but it's not just three straight games. It's three straight games at Fenway Park. Fenway. And that is going to wear on your pitching. So the Kike story has been great. He provides great energy, great entertainment. Who knows? He still might continue on a roll tonight. But, yes, it is. I am squarely focused on the pitching of both teams and the decisions. So we'll see. All right. Uh, next three games. Which star left side of the infield do you think will grab the headlines? Is it going to be Devers Bogarts or Correa Bregman? You know I don't really love these questions, all right? This one's a really tough one for me. I, they're both so good. They're both doing well. Hold well. on. Do you not like the question because it puts you in a tough spot? You don't know how to answer or you think it's a stupid question? I it, like both. It, I mean, any are acceptable answers. <laughs> I like both of uh, the left sides of the infields. Now you're making me choose. I, I, I think that uh, I'm going to be watching Carlos and, and, and Bregman. I enjoy watching them hit in the postseason. I enjoy watching Dever, Devers and Bogarts as well. But yeah. Correa, Correa just has my attention right now, man. Like from the walk-up cel- or the home run celebration with the watch, you know, to the way he's playing defense. I don't know. I just – I'm gravitating towards that left side of the infield. And, and Bregman, you know, I expect him to hit in some big spots as well. Uh, but, but again, like Devers and Bogarts, how could you go around picking them? Uh, but if you're asking me, like, who my attention is going to be on, who I think is going to step up uh, the next three games, I think it's Correa. I think he's going to – you just mentioned Fenway Park and how difficult it is to play there. I think Correa is going to love – playing there. I oh, think he's going to up crowd booing him and then he's going to hit a homer and then they're all going to be quiet and it's a long ass walk back from home plate to the the dugout there. It's a long one, Chris, and he's going to relish in that. So I love both sides, but I'm going to be watching Correa. So, it's interesting because three of the four have had kind of a signature moment already in the playoffs. You know, Devers I think leads everybody with 10 RBIs. Don't quote me on that, but I'm Pretty sure. At least I'm pretty close with that one. Uh, and he's hit a grand slam. Um, Bogarts had the wild card home run, which was monumental. Correa had the, you know, it's my time home run. And Alex Bregman has one extra base hit in 24 postseason at bats. And this is a guy that loves when the spotlight is on him. I did a little crunching of the numbers. He loves hitting at Fenway Park. Yes, he does. He has over uh, an 1,100 OPS at Fenway. He's had four homers there. I think this is the time where he's going to break out over the next few days. We, we really haven't heard much from him in the postseason. And I think that little short swing is going to be big time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over the monster. <clears throat> I can see him pulling his hands in on an E-rod, like cutter inside. He does that really well. Uh, you know, Bregman's someone I wish would almost embrace it – like the controversy, the way Correa has, I think, I think he's been the one him and Altuve have really not like liked that role. They like to be applauded. Uh, whereas Correa. Well, very good way. I know, but there's a reason for that. I think if you remember after the report was released, the Astros had their fan fest. I think it was late January, early February. It was before spring training. They were the two faces of the franchise that showed up. They were the first people that had to answer questions. 
they were bombarded. They were ill-prepared. And I'm not blaming it on the two of them. I think it was a total organizational failure. And they basically, remember, it was local media that was there. It wasn't national media because it was the Astros Fan Fest. And so they answered like one question and they were like, yeah, you just read what's in the report. And it just came off as standoffish. And I think they were probably both embarrassed. And in my time dealing with them, I can only speak from my experiences. I've had really good, I had really good relationships with both those guys. Always fun, always honest. And I think they were kind of taken aback by the negativity. And I think that that's why they, because it's not in their DNA to be like, yeah, you know what? We screwed up, but we're going to go forward. I think it is in Correa's. Yeah. And I don't think that's who Bregman and Altuve are. No, they they love the the positivity, the applause. But I mean, right. at some point, you just got to be like, "Fuck it, <laughs> like this is right." What, here we go. But you would agree that that's not as easy for everybody. One hundred. Some people. One hundred percent. I don't know how I would deal with it. I might just hang it up, dude. Seriously, I don't think I could handle. Yeah. I'm being dead serious. Yeah, and by the way, I don't want people to. There's a lot of people in the chats that somehow I think misrepresent what we say. They're like, "Oh, we're always defending the Astros." No, no, no. What we do is, at least from this standpoint, we say you can think whatever the hell you want to think. You can hold it against the Astros for the next thousand years if you want to. That is your prerogative. But if people would decide to move on and say, okay, it's been four years, I don't see it as a big deal anymore, then let them think that way. That's all. Yeah. Give people options. You don't, you don't push your own thoughts on other people when it comes to this stuff. That's all. I could talk a lot about this, but it's a 20-minute show, Chris. I know. So real quickly, let's uh, let's do this one. Padres reportedly interviewing former Cardinals skipper Mike Schilt. Does that move the needle for you at all? I feel like that's lip service. I don't. I mean, I don't. Although they are like man, are interviewing a bunch of old heads in the game, so I guess he fits the profile. Right. I still don't know if they go that route. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to get you know the whole rainbow in, baby. I don't know. I don't think Schilt has a, a chance to go manage the Padres, but. I hope he finds somewhere good. The guy's the guy's been in the game for a long time. Just because he gets fired from the Cardinals doesn't mean he shouldn't have a job somewhere else. Right. He'll, he'll find a job somewhere else. He's, he will. He's put his time in. I just don't know if the Padres are the right fit for him. Once again, I've said this a thousand times about Mike Schilt. If he walked down the street without a St. Louis baseball uh, Cardinals hat on his head, I would have no idea who he was. None. I wouldn't recognize him. I wouldn't. Would you notice me? Well, you. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you without a hat. Yeah, I mean, it's just usually there should be a runway attached to you whenever, wherever you walk. That's how good looking you are. Thank you. Last one. Freddie Freeman might be in a slump. His son Charlie is not. He brought him some superpowers this weekend at the Little League game. Charlie went, yeah, yeah, that away. Do you remember your first ever Little League home run? I don't remember, like, my first home run, like, that age where you know you just keep running around the bases i do remember the first time i hit a ball over the fence and i when i was young i was very little very skinny very skinny so i like didn't have you know the strength to really hit like that but then i played pop warner football tackle football and you just do like a bunch of push-ups all the time and i got stronger i really did dude and i was i was it was during batting practice i'll never forget this and I was like, damn, I feel like strong. 
I think I was like eight, eight years old or something like that. And I started crushing the ball out of the park, dude. It was the best feeling in the world. I'll never forget that day. I can remember hitting these signs at Northridge Little League. I was catering them, dude. It's all in football and some push-ups. Nice. So yeah. do, you, do you really remember, like, your first one that went over the fence? Yeah. How excited you were? Yeah. I mean, I remember hitting it. Like, oh, shit, I've never been able to do that before. Then another one came. Another one came. Like, okay. Yeah. Push-ups. Uh, I never had the honor of hitting a ball over a fence because our little league never had fences. Oh. Okay. We yeah, we played in parks. The first one I ever hit was in Cortland Oval. So it was literally one diamond that was in the middle of a neighborhood. So there were cars always going all over the place. The rule was if you hit it in the street, it was an automatic home run. So I hit the ball in the street and that was it. It counts, baby. Hell yes, it did. And that was the only, that was the only home run I ever hit. Cause I was not, I was not fast enough. So I never. We need to go, let's go to a field, me and you. We'll get you one over the fence, okay? You'd have to get me on, like, the triple-A field at one of the little leagues, you know, with the short porch. Yeah, we'll, bring, so, we'll move the fences in a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm more excited. But, you know, Brady went to Cooperstown, what was it now, four years ago. And when he went deep at Cooperstown, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best feeling ever. It was great. I had so many bombs at Cooperstown. Yeah, we hit a ton as a team. We just – I think uh, everybody but one player hit, uh, hit a homer. Was it you? <laughs> I didn't play in Cooperstown, you weirdo. All right, what do you have coming up on John Boy? I don't know. I think we're doing talking baseball right now. Ah. Uh, I got a sequence coming out tomorrow. I'm going to film it right after talking baseball. So a lot of stuff going on. It's the playoffs, baby. I know. Well, you got to churn out that content. Um, I am doing a podcast with Miguel Rojas today. He is so – I think he's in the Dominican. So that's going to be great to do it from there. It'll be a lot of fun. He'll give us an update on kind of the off day between his former team, the Dodgers, and the Atlanta Braves, the team he sees 19 times a year. He's going to tell us why he thinks they're going to win this series, or maybe he'll tell us why he thinks the Dodgers can come back here. Uh, and then later in the week, uh, I've scheduled Chris Bassett on the podcast. So it'll be good to catch up with him, see how he's doing, see how he's feeling, and he'll give us his take on the ALCS. So that's coming up later in the week, and a lot of good stuff. That's all I can tell you. Are we going to go to a game, a Dodger game? Ooh. I didn't think about that. I can't tomorrow, but let's let's talk about that. Maybe Wednesday. Can't be Thursday. Okay. Could be Wednesday. We'll talk. We'll talk. Love you. All right, listen. Everybody have an amazing day. Don't forget, it is dugoutmugs.com slash today. You can get yourself a free knob shot. Just pay the $8.95 shipping and handling. We will see you again Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for your fandom. We greatly appreciate it. And keep consuming that John Boy Media content. Enjoy Game 3 of the ALCS. Peace, everybody. See ya.